You are listening to Rouge, White and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Welcome to the Rouge, White and Blue CFL Podcast. My name is Oz Davis, I'll be your host of the show, and joining me as always is a big fan of the still defending champion Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Joe Pritchard. Joe, how excited are you on a scale of one to a million? That scale's not big enough. <laughs> All right, try a little higher. Right, right. All right. Probably the biggest news uh, as regards to the CFL recently is even bigger than the CFL, and that would be, I would say, that the Canadian government has decided to open its border to, take note, folks, fully vaccinated Americans who would like to cross the border for, for example, watching CFL games. Now, this, I believe, begins on what? I, it, this week. I believe it's the 6th or so. I, I, I understand it was the day after opening day, the opening day game between Hamilton and Winnipeg. You've got to make everything CFL-centric. Joe, does this mean a trip to Canada this season is back on your agenda? Uh, no, uh, because <laughs> okay. the American side hasn't opened itself up to the Canadian side. Get out! That's that's right. I mean, after all the fighting, after all the pushing to have wow. Canada open its borders, the U.S. did not do it the other way. Their restrictions still reach until August 22nd, in which time they'll follow up on that, see if they want to renew it. They may renew it, given everything that's happening, all the changes and such. I would just rather not play any games with that. Like, even if the Canadians let me in, I don't want to have a hassle coming back home. So I'm going to wait until both sides agree, shake hands, and say we're good to go. And given the changes in the Delta variant lately, that's, uh, I'm going to guess that's not, that's a no-go for quite a while. So I'm just kind of, I'm, I've kind of written off 2021 for any Canadian adventures, unless something dramatically changes for the better, which I can't see happening anymore. And I'm really focusing on 2022, crossing my fingers that I can get to Montreal and Ottawa for my CFL bingo, which is now going to be two years overdue. CFL bingo. <laughs> I need the Kevin Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> well, geez, I mean, not to be pessimistic or anything, but by the time you're ready to complete the bingo, you may have to go to Newfoundland as well. That won't be a problem. My wife loves Maine, so what's the difference if we go a little further up the up the up the uh, coast? Well, it depends how late it is. As if you ask me, because man, Maine is cold, Nova Scotia is even colder, man. No, no, touchdown Atlantic usually happens in like August, so I think we're good. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's doable, that's doable. You might even get a beach day in there. Right, speaking of COVID, I, I wasn't going to admit this, but what the hell, full disclosure, I've been really addicted to the Olympics this week. I like to see all the sports, I like the weird sports, so... I haven't been following the CFL too much, but Joe reassures me that not much has happened aside from uh, a release of the COVID regulations for players. Hit us, Joe. Okay. So uh, in an effort to push more vaccinations, uh, making sure or trying to push all the players to get fully vaccinated, the CFL did release a policy about game cancellations due to COVID-19 outbreaks. So, if they can't, if, so if the league can't play a game as scheduled because of COVID-19 issues, and it can't be rescheduled, which let's face it, the the uh, schedule is pretty compact at this point. I don't see a lot of wiggle room. Uh, so the policy is, if one club is suffering from the COVID-19 issues, that club will forfeit the game and be assigned a loss, while its opponent will be cre- be credited with a win by the score of one to nothing. Ooh. I do need a ruling on whether that one counts as a rouge or not for Dr. Rouge's um, for the table. Yeah. Satisfaction here. Yes, we need to know that we need to know these things that are important. 
Uh, now, if both clubs are suffering from the COVID-19 issues, both teams are wiped out, then both clubs forfeit the game and will be assigned a loss. So it is theoretically possible this year for more losses to be on the ta- on the standings table than wins, which I, that's rather weird. But it's a good it, 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 if you're looking to punish a team that can't field the team because of COVID issues, that's one way to do it for sure. Now, in both of these circumstances, if a team can prove that 85% of its players under contract have been vaccinated at least once and preferably fully, its players will receive their salary for the canceled game. But if that team is below that threshold, the entire team does not receive its salary, whether or not they're the winners or losers of this. So you could even so there could be a situation where a team is at is underneath that 85 percent threshold, has a game canceled because the other team can't field the team, and still won't get paid for it. So that's that's on the table. Uh, now they do announce that as of last Friday's cut roster cut down the roster the the roster deadline, 79 percent of the players were fully or partially vaccinated, so they are creeping up to that 85% goal they have. Three CFL teams already meet that 85% threshold. The other six teams are between 67 and 81%. So this is trying to get them pushed to hit that 85% mark, if not higher. Do we know which three teams are the three that have met the I do not know if that's been released at this time or not. I'm sure we'll find out in due time, but we do not. There have been 6,000 COVID-19 tests issued to Tier 1 personnel, which includes players, coaches, and support staff since July 15th, and zero have returned positive test results for COVID. So that's obviously good news. Uh, Now, there's other reasons that games can be canceled. Uh, if any of the following conditions are met, it's if a decision of a government health authority isn't is involved, if a team does not have 36 players to dress for the game, if a team does not have an individual available to coach the offense and another individual to coach the defense, so the coaching staffs are involved here too, or the team does not have a certified athletic therapist and sports medicine physician available for the game. So those are all reasons the games could be canceled. Uh, the commissioner also has the ability to cancel the game at his discretion but following consultation with the CFL's chief medical officers and the Players Association so a lot to unpack here a lot of different things could happen I'm going to cross my fingers and hope we never cross those bridges okay I just have two questions mm-hmm. okay so you say I mean, more or less what you're saying is, okay, like, for example, if a team doesn't have the defensive coordinator, they can't, they forfeit. An individual available to coach the offense and another individual to coach the defense. Basically, what it's saying is you need to have two coaches. Whether, now, it doesn't say the guy has to be an offensive coach, a defensive coach. You've seen coaches in the past. Right, a good thing, because Ottawa's already right. crossing over anyway, so... <laughs> Right. You have guys that have coached offense and are coaching defense and vice versa. Guys have gone and obviously head coach is, a du- and is another completely different ball of wax. You can have them from the offensive side and defensive side. It says one to coach the offense and one to coach the okay. defense. Okay. Okay. That's so you, what could, you could wipe out most of your coaching staff but still not have to forfeit. Okay, I get it. Now, right. because basically, it means, basically it means if your whole coaching staff is wiped out, good luck to you. But other than that... You know, because for me, that's what's killing this initiative in the NFL is these coaches that are just like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not going to do it. Well, don't you realize that you're not going to be able to be in the room with your players? Uh, I'm still not going to do it. But this doesn't seem to be happening in the CFL, right? I haven't seen anything of that sort. Uh, I do notice that at l- at least one team, and I believe it was Edmonton. Bear with me while I verify that. I believe Edmonton has a quarterback stashed in quarantine. Um, per Dave Campbell, that would be Troy Williams. 
So Edmonton does have Troy Williams quarantining from the rest of the team. Um, just in case one or all the Edmonton quarterbacks catch COVID at the same time, they would not be without a quarterback like happened in the NFL this year. Uh, so I believe that's going to become a, if not, if everybody isn't doing it, they will be soon. So I'm sure that teams have a quarterback sitting stash somewhere that they can, in case of fire, break, break glass. So this is what, so this guy is like one of these NASA guys who they go, okay, we want to see what life on Mars is going to be like. So we're going to put you in this bubble with seven other people for like three months. Basically, that's what they're doing to these guys. Yes. Right? Like, don't go outside. Don't practice in your backyard in your own weight room or whatever. Yep. They zoom, they zoom into quarterback meetings, all that sort of thing. Wow. That is crazy. So interesting. Of course, in a sport like football, of course, somebody would come up with a strategy like this. Of course. Right. Because I, I forget which t- NFL team. I want to say it was Denver, but don't quote me on that. I think they had their entire quarterback room come up with COVID at one point in mid-season. And they had to play that game without a quarterback, yeah. Right, so they had a wide receiver that had played quarterback off their practice squad, but played quarterback (laughs) in college. And it was like, by the way, uh, you're now the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos. Good luck. And, uh, you know, be John Elway, will (laughs) you? Yeah, it was it was awesome. It was like 1929 out there for those guys. I think they set the record of that game for like fewest pass attempts, fewest yards passing, all this crazy stuff. You know, they were doing every play out of the out of the Wildcat, whatnot. But anyway, let's get back to the Canadian game. Now, I wanted to get this in there. We are the alleged CFL podcast for Americans, by Americans, for the Americans. Uh, and so I wanted to talk a couple of things for in that respect. As far as betting goes, there's something weird going on. Online, it's very hard to catch point spreads for these games. Uh, on the other hand, wow, great cup odds are still everywhere, and boy, they're variable. If you look around, and if you're one of those states that has pretty much open market on online betting, you can get some good deals. I mean, I think you know Edmonton 10 to 1 to win the Great Cup isn't bad for example, and that's just one example I found. But in any case, I guess the CFL is doing things a little bit differently this year, and they seem to be only allowing licensed um, or franchised or partner sportsbooks. Now, the name of the partner sportsbook, I believe, is Bet Royale. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Yeah, Bet, no, Bet Regal. Bet Regal is where they announced a partnership with the CFL uh, last week. And the interesting thing about Bet Regal is for Americans, you're not going to be able to bet there because I believe it's only Canadian resident. But the interesting thing about this is they actually offer free sports betting games, which is pretty unusual. I mean, they have some fantasy, but I believe that, like, you can actually bet play money on, like, you know, point spreads, over-unders, and stuff like that. So that might be worth a, a, a look for Americans. I'm sorry I don't have more information. Didn't look at it in depth this week. Maybe I will for this week's games because I didn't want to bet real money, especially in week one. It's always a bit of a crapshoot. Joe, on the other hand, isn't much of a gambling man, but he is a fantasy football man. Now, Joe, maybe you can tell us about what you're participating in and what, as far as you know, are the options for American players. So the CFL does run its what amounts to daily fantasy on its website. Uh, It's just fantasy fantasy CFL. You pick you pick players off of a salary cap. Uh, You fill your roster for a week and try to score the most points. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Uh, What some of us in the CFL in the Canadian Football Podcast Network are doing though is we're going to take those scores we get and place them head-to-head against each other. So there's eight of us, um, and we're going to have a schedule set just like regular fantasy football. Only difference is, obviously, we can't do like a draft or anything. We, we're still playing the salary cap game, but we're just 
seeing who among us can win more head-to-head matchups. So uh, the people participating, uh, actually the person that's running it is Ryan from uh, Canadian Football Countdown. Uh, we also have Superfan Mike from the Turf District, uh, Saf Ahmad, Steve from um, Piffle's Podcast, who is the defending champion. Uh, but I do want to stress that that is a temporary thing. Um, Rod Via Gomez from the Wood Kicky Sawcast, Travis from Two and Out, Mike from Podsky Wee Wee, and it looks like Andrew from the Turf District as well are going to be involved. So there will be some Turf District on Turf District action. And then, of course, me representing the Rouge, White, and Blues. So. Uh, we do not yet have our schedule, um, although uh, week one will be the first week that is actually being decided in between the time we're recording and the time we're releasing it. So I don't have anything. I don't have an opponent to trash talk this week, uh, but I do want to say best of luck to you, but not enough to beat me. <laughs> Whoever you are. <laughs> actually, I'd say. In, a, in kind of a self-serving way, I'd say you're representing Winnipeg and Montreal in this thing. Because uh, ne- yeah, neither, yeah. <laughs> neither the Alouette's flight deck didn't send anybody, apparently, and neither did any of the Winnipeg uh, podcasts. So, Well, Brian, Brian, Brian from CFC is uh, based in Winnipeg. So oh, okay. There's, Great. There's, a little, there's a little bit of crossover there, but... You're the Alouette's yes. guy, though. <laughs> I guess so, huh? <laughs> Actually, I, I like to think of us whenever we're in one of these contests that we're representing the Baltimore Stallions. Oh, of course. I mean, we could also represent the Shreveport Pirates. That might be more appropriate considering how good I am at fantasy. But <laughs> there you go. You know, Sacramento Miners. You know. Um, no, no, they were pretty decent. If we represent any one team, it's them. Uh, finally. I just wanted to talk about this one, um, always of importance for really a lot more football fans every year in America is the availability of watching uh, the games on, it feels weird to say on TV, <laughs> like through a televisual medium, but usually streaming. This year, I guess your best solution is to go through ESPN+. Plus. Um, I suggest that simply because, A, I really can't find – usually both organizations, the CFL and ESPN, tend to release a nice schedule with every single game and which variant of ESPN it's going to be on. But I assume that – I so we have to assume that, like in last year's past, uh, before September, you'll get a smattering of games on ESPN 2. Uh, round playoff time, that's when it'll come back again to ESPN2 and then ESPN, probably for the Great Cup, uh, as usual. I guess the CFL has a bit of an advantage this year. So we might actually see quite a few on ESPN2 because of all the odd uh, nights that they're going to be playing this year. And they're going to be playing, playing a lot of weeknights with not a lot of stuff scheduled, at least until like college basketball really kicks off. Right. There might be some of that, but yeah. do, don't forget that ESPN also got the NHL this year. Oh, that's has right. Has some NBA games, right. has college basketball, has that's right. what have you. So I would say you're most likely going to see the vast majority of games this year, especially on ESPN Plus. Yep. That's streaming only. Yep. Um, we should also say for the first week, uh, first game, Winnipeg Hamilton is on ESPN 2. Uh, last game of the week, Ottawa Edmonton is last game of the week. That's also on ESPN 2 this week. And like I say, I assume for the next few weeks, you'll get a couple on ESPN 2. But if you go through ESPN Plus, you can always watch it there. And I believe they have some replay. Uh, if you go through ESPN 3 on like a Sling TV or a Disney Plus, you can probably find it there on the replay as you used to be able to in years past. So ESPN Plus. Is your best thing. Start yes, you're going to get by far the most games just through the ESPN Plus streaming service. Yes. There will be a few games here and there. Uh, they used to happen more often in June and July, so probably not going to miss a whole lot if you don't if you're if you're a cord cutter like me and just do ESPN Plus, you're not going to miss too many games. I happen to have um a another TV package through streaming that does have ESPN2 and ESPN News, so I'm covered there. Um, 
but if you're a straight cord cutter, you're still going to get a whole lot of games just with the SPM Plus. Not all of them, but enough to make it worth your while. What uh, what one do you have? I know Sling Disney Plus have ESPN Plus. What do you have? Yes. So besides having that Hulu Disney ESPN Plus package, that's one lump price. We've also done AT&T TV now for the next couple of months to uh, be able to watch the Brewers until they hit the playoffs. And then. <laughs> And then I can we can cut way down. We can go find a service that doesn't have the regional sports networks. Once they hit the playoffs, they're not going to be on Bally Sports or what used to be Fox Sports. So we can we're going to be able to cut our TV price way down come October. So pretty confident they're going to play more of that play-in game this year, huh? Well, they're they were up seven games last night and they won. So I'm hoping <laughs> I'm hoping they don't play that play-in game this year. Exactly. <laughs> All right, and now what I'm sure you've all been waiting for. Let's talk about week one games in the CFL for the first time in years and years and years, it seems like. All right, we're going to start right at the top. Probably the game of the week. Uh, at least going into it, that's what it looks like. Who knows what's going to happen in week one. As I always say, week one is pretty usually unpredictable uh, this year, even more so, but here we go, the Hamilton Tech versus the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, this seems to be the two teams that most fans think they have a handle on. Um, the Ticats, you know, almost everyone's favorite to win in the East. Most everyone's favorite to win the Great Cup. The Bombers are who they faced in the last Great Cup. The Bombers are without Paolo Police at offensive coordinator. Everybody knows these storylines, but they're more or less identical to that great cup winning team in terms of player personnel. Um, I guess my guess is I'm going to say all things being equal quite a lot in these predictions, but all things being equal, my guess would be that the key matchup, you know, and all eyes are going to be on Harris versus the Ticats defense. And that's if, and that's even if Harris plays. Yeah. So what do you think? What do you think? Who wins this battle? Uh, how ready is the Ticats defense? Everybody's presuming these guys are going to be ready to go. I wonder how much any of these units on any of these teams is going to be ready to go. Well, like you like you were saying, these are the two teams that we're likely to look back on in a couple months and go, they are who we thought they were. So uh, given that Winnipeg has a couple, of key injuries already. Andrew Harris has obviously been suffering through um, some issues throughout camp, and Willie Jefferson pulled up lame just today, uh, did not practice. Uh, those are two big playmakers that would need to make a couple plays to beat Hamilton. Uh, Winnipeg's also raising the banner. They've got the weight of expectations on them to repeat. Hamilton can kind of come into this fast and loose. They're the road team. They're going to be the road team for the next couple of weeks. They're the team that has less to lose, especially given that their uh, schedule, once you hit September, October, November, gets a little bit lighter. I think I've got Hamilton winning this one. It's not going to be a blowout, but I think they win it pretty handily. I'm being a wuss this week. And the NFL, I think, over the last 10, 11 years, I counted it recently. I don't know if it was last year or this year, but for the last 10 or 11 years, uh, the home team wins has been a winner, if you pick it, between 60 and 64% of the time. I don't know what the record is in the CFL, but all things being equal, I'm going four home teams this week. So I'm going to take Winnipeg to win this game. What do you think about the scoring in this? If Harris is not 100%, the Winnipeg offense is what, maybe... 40% right off the bat. Low low scoring game? I don't I don't think it's that much of a difference. Uh I don't think it's going to like whack off half their offense in one blow or anything. We've seen Johnny Augustine be able to step up, uh, especially if you look at last year's Banjo Bowl, he had a few big plays of his own. Uh they do like Brady Oliveira as the as maybe the next Paris to step in, the next guy that comes in and plays the um ratio breaker at running at running back i just think it's a little too early to be placing your hopes on your second and third string running backs against probably the best team in the league 
that's not that's not really a bet I want to make. I don't think you're going to lose all of your production or even half of it, but it's not. But that difference of what Harris, a healthy Harris, can bring to you, and what even a nicked up Harris can bring to you, that might have been that might be the difference between being Hamilton and not being Hamilton. And then you do that to Willie Jefferson too. I don't like that. Oh, yeah, that that's the other thing too, Joe. I mean, we we've already been talking about this in the last couple of podcasts, dude. This season, there's no such thing as too early. If this were a regular season, there's a there's a good epitaph for you. Everybody's two and everybody's two and two right now. Yeah, we'd already be a month in. Right, exactly. We're not exactly coming down the home stretch, but famously, Bill Belichick in the NFL likes to likes to analyze the season in quarters. Right, four games at a time. Well, guess what? <laughs> you know, the season is already, uh, what would that be? In the CFL, that would be 22.2% finished already. So there's no such thing as too early as far as I'm concerned. Let's talk about um, game number two, BC Lions at Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Um, interesting to note, I was looking at this today, and the CFL.ca, the official website of the league, had – the Riders, number two in the power rankings, despite all the injuries, despite a couple of losses of key veterans on defense. Um, I guess they're putting a lot on Cody Fajardo, who had, what was it, 18 passing touchdowns, 10 rushing touchdowns, and 5,900 total yards. Some, some sick numbers like this in a real breakout year. Uh, Joe, is this true? Are the Riders really going to have the highest flying offense in league this year? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, given that they sort of dissolved a little bit on defense, and not, not like they had the, the greatest defense of last season, but there was some leadership, some key parts there, they're going to have to score a lot of points this year to keep up, aren't they? I didn't say they're not going to score a lot of points. I just don't think they're going to be the highest flying okay. offense out there. Okay. <laughs> I would expect, especially against defenses that aren't, they're going to be what I've seen termed as the good, bad team. The team that's going to take teams that aren't as good as them and make it clear that they're superior. I just don't see them breaking through the teams that are better than them. I see them as 500, like across the board. And they're probably not going to win a lot of games in the West unless they're facing BC like this week. They're going to clean up what they can in the East as much as they can. I, but I don't. I just don't see them overpowering the rest of the West. Crossover team. <laughs> it's pretty much where I came. Where I came down to it, I'm feeling a little bit more confident about where to rank the teams two through four this week. Okay, so. Over there in BC, I guess um, I guess the interesting news is that Rick Campbell is going to be pulling the double duty as the head coach and the defensive coordinator. Let's hope they don't meet those uh, COVID protocols. I just wow, I can't I can't imagine that BC can come out as ready for this game, at least psychologically, as Saskatchewan and their spiffy new digs with a lot of people there and really ready to play. Um, I, I think the Riders are going to win pretty handily here. I do, too. BC is one of the bigger question marks I do have, because I could see them as bad as, as two or three wins and as good as maybe six. But I just don't have I don't have a really good feel for them yet because of the coaching changes, because of all the personnel changes, and whether this new coaching staff is going to be do a better job of keeping Mike Riley on his feet. That's going to have a lot to do with their success here. And I could see this game getting wild as far as points go, especially if Saskatchewan's defense isn't getting into the backfield as frequently as you'd expect. But I don't see, I, I don't see enough on BC's defensive side to be able to stop what the writers do have on offense. Okay. All right, I believe that. Uh, I think that some people may think that Cody Fajardo is all that after this week, though. Uh, I didn't. I didn't like the lack of dramatic moves by the Lions in the offseason, either in the secondary 
or on the offensive line, which you just mentioned. And so I don't – those being the two biggest weaknesses, I don't <laughs> I don't see much hope for BC this soon, unfortunately. And it's going to – Sorry, gonna be Kenny. Here. I, I don't even think that you can put them at 6-8 and eight because if you're talking the Riders are 900 team and – you know, they're probably not going to go 500 because, again, more of their games are against the West. So just by the numbers, they'll go lower than that. I don't think you could have BC at six wins. In any case, let's go Toronto Argonauts at Calgary Stampeders. Now, Joe, you brought this up a couple of shows ago when we talked about the East Green teams, and I thought it was a good point that this Argos team is going to need a lot of uh, time to gel. I think I saw this where... 22 of the 24 starters are new for them this season. So that's. Yeah, they were able to keep a lot more of the name talent than I thought they'd be able to. Even so, and, and given that they're name talent, they're veterans. So it might take them less time than a lot of younger players would take to gel. I still think it's going to be a solid month before this team is a right. cohesive unit. And that's. Far right. too long, right. especially when you go Calgary at Calgary at Winnipeg, home against Winnipeg. Yikes. Yeah, and even for this game, the trends are going in opposite directions. saw the injury reports for the Argos reporting that Bear Woods uh, is already having quadriceps issues, limited practice. I mean, just, you know. Being totally not a doctor nor a football coach, I would be very surprised if he played anything close to half the snaps in that game, just off the top of my head, if they care about player safety over there. Meanwhile, the uh, the staff made a late addition with Sean Lemon. Uh, nice pickup there. I don't think he's going to play half the snaps either. But, of course, everybody over there at the league offices is talking about what great veteran leadership. Like, you know, Stamps really needed that kind of addition. No, uh, of all the teams in this league that <laughs> would need veteran leadership, that's one of the few, few teams that probably didn't, didn't need the help on that. I'm sure they don't mind his abilities, and their coaching staff is going to know how to make best use of them. Right. But I don't know. I don't know if I'm playing the leadership card yet. <laughs> <laughs> in any case, I do believe that both of these teams will probably get off to a pretty slow start. I'm expecting a pretty sloppy game in the first half, but I think I just think the Stamps are going to pull away from this game in the second half. Yep. There's one team that's got stability, and there's one team that just doesn't. And I think that with these slapped-together teams, the playbook gets pretty thin in the first part of the season. And, and it's a really tough way for Ryan Dinwiddie to start off. Right. That's for sure. Right. Uh, and, uh, and this is not to say that Ryan Dinwiddie can't become an excellent head coach at some point in the future. But you're asking game one, Ryan Dinwiddie to go into Calgary and win with roster as, with his roster as constructed of puzzle pieces that have been spilt all over the floor. Right. I mean, I mean, I don't think he's got enough glue glue in his um, kit to make that happen yet. And this, this COVID situation, okay. Just uh, on a blank slate. This COVID situation did no good to the Eastern teams. And already there's this universal perception, completely justified, that the East is this weaker division. And you're setting it up so that... And so so has the last 10 years been, too, for that matter. (laughs) Yeah, ever since since the Alouettes weren't dominant, pretty much, yeah. It's It's been crossover city, baby, for the West. But... What you're going to get is, you know, your worst case scenario is, and even Hamilton is potential for this too. What you could very well have is a bunch of one in three teams, you know, going into like week six, or week five. You know, I, I don't know how the five weeks work against all this as well, but you could literally have all four teams in the East be one and three after they've played four games. That's not going to look great for the league. I mean, but, you know, you know in the end, You'll have, you know, Hamilton will have a lot of games won, and hopefully Montreal will have, a, you know, enough games over 500. But and look at it this way: if your predict, if your predictions go the way that go all your way, 
your team will be in first place <laughs> without having picked without having kicked kicked off a of football. Yeah, it's totally true. I mean, well, geez, it could happen. It could happen. They'll be in second place for sure. Well, almost for sure. Yeah, that's it. You'll be a half game behind Hamilton. And that's a, that's about as far as that ship's going to sail, likely. We won't have a losing record. <laughs> it's also true. Damn, Joe. Until uh, next week. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I thought you were going to say until next year. Jesus. So, uh, so Toronto, Calgary. What, what do you, what do you think? I'm in the Calgary, but like I'm thinking like twenty nine nine. I'm in the about the same boat. I just said something like twenty seven ten. So if there's an under here, I'm taking the under. Right, and that's the and that's been Calgary's modus operandi for a long, long time now. Wow. Is you're expecting more from the offense, but the defense is so good it doesn't matter sometimes. Yeah. Again, it'll be really interesting to see what happens in week one after this two-year break. All right, finally, the Ottawa Red Blacks against that new team, the Edmonton Elks. Uh, Edmonton, obviously, is hoping that they begin this season, hoping that they bottomed out in 2018, uh, 20, 2019, see, it's been forever, 2019, uh, they hope that to bounce back from that. Uh, what do I have here? Oh, yeah, okay, so basically, yeah, these are the guys who basically revamped their coaching staff they revamped their defense. They're reuniting a bunch of players there. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Jamie Elizondo comes back to Ottawa. He was actually with the uh, Tampa Bay Vipers for, I guess it was about four games or whatever in between uh, stints in the CFL. So he's back, but he hasn't coached in the CFL for a while. Um, on the Ottawa side, I guess, I don't know, what can you say? Yep. Not much is expected out of them this season, but you're pretty bullish on them in general. Can you see anything? Can you say anything for them going into Edmonton with all this good juju on the outside? Not yet. I feel like they're going to be they're going to be in that crunch in the lower part of the Eastern standings for quite some time. It's just too early to say. I do think. They're going to have a little bit of a leg up because they're not hitting like the meatiest part of the West right away. Mm. Edmonton, I, I have a good feeling about Edmonton this year, but they're got a brand new coach. They're going into Saskatchewan the next week. Never an easy, easy out, but again, what a team I feel is on the lower end of the West spectrum. And then they got BC that start could have been a whole lot more difficult. And then they start playing and then they get BC again a couple weeks later. Uh, then they start getting into their East rivals, get Edmonton again. They, I don't see Calgary uh, uh, right off the bat, a team that I think is going to have it all together until October 29th. Uh, so Ottawa's got some time to build up. They never see Winnipeg. So their schedule is actually, as far as matchups go, gives them a little bit of hope if they can start getting something together early on. Well, they'll have the time, right? Yeah. Uh, and four wins probably gets you third place. Probably doesn't get you a playoff, playoff spot, but four wins probably gets you third place anyway, and that's something to build on. Yeah, 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 that'll be good enough. Yeah, I can imagine that. Um, okay, so I guess, yeah, I guess the early uh, upset pick, the early long shot pick for Joe, mark this down, everybody, for your CFL pickums. I guess in their 11th game, you're going to be looking at Ottawa at Hamilton, and then the game after that is Calgary at Ottawa. So you'll be wanting to think of Ottawa, who will just be hitting their stride by then, and nobody will have them in these games. So it'll be a good way to make a late-season run in CFL pickup. Right, Joe? Could very well be. Could very well be. <laughs> but we'll see. I mean, nothing nothing is written in stone this year. Yeah. Well, yeah, you might as well. I mean, that's what I was, I mean, CFL pickup is already insanely difficult. It's preposterously difficult. No, I think by I think by the broader point I was trying to make is they don't get teams early on that I believe are going to be cohesive. 
Edmonton's got the brand new coaching staff. Saskatchewan's probably going to be a tougher one. BC again, new coaching staff, so they're going to they're going to have the same issues as Ottawa does. New coaching staff. Um, everybody's got the problem of the lack of togetherness, to put it in a in a weird term, but they just haven't played together for either for a while or at all with all the moves that have been made, been made over the past two off seasons. So uh, they're not going to run up against a Calgary that has a, has a better chance of having its stuff together than say BC. They're not going to run into Hamilton early. They're not going to run into Winnipeg early. Those three teams are the teams I feel like are the three teams that are going to come out the shoot with the most chance of having being cohesive. They don't see those teams for quite a while. Okay, where do you put Montreal, who they get at home in week four? Montreal, I put in the middle of the pack. Kahari's been the head coach there. They've had some roster movement. Vernon Adams is a wild card that is either going to win or, win or lose games more than any other individual player this season, I believe. I think Adams can go win you a game or lose you a game more than any other player this year. All right, so he's our own Brett Favre in Montreal. I love it. Heart, yes. heart attack uh, quarterback. To put, yeah, well, to put it in those terms, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, heart attack quarterback, yep. Gunslinger, right? Yep, there's uh, your gun. Yeah. And if Kari can pull in the reins just a little bit, he's going to still be able to sling it uh, enough to be dangerous, but not enough to be dangerous to his own team. That's where you want to find a gunslinger quarterback. Looking forward to him slinging guns, man. Uh, yep. Right. Okay. So I guess we both have. Well, I'm going to take Edmonton winning pretty handily. I'll I'll take them by nine. Yeah, I've got I've got Harris. Harris is one of those players too that is going to be worth quite a bit to his team, mm-hmm. and without the downside without the downside of if he has a terrible, if he has a bad game, he's going to kill you completely. That doesn't apply to Harris as much as it would apply to Adams. So but I think Harris can go win it, win you a game too. Uh, okay. So basically you've got Ottawa is going to be better than people think. And Toronto is going to be worse than people think. Right. Okay. Feeling a little bit less confident about that Toronto call because they kept as much talent as they did. But still, uh, just with with everything being newish around there, oh, yeah. new 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 people in charge, it's going to be tough for them, I think, to find their bearings until it's too late. Well, they kept a lot of guys, but they're planning on you know not everybody's going to start that started last year. They're moving guys yep. up. Uh, we don't the line they're moving around be, theoretically. Yeah, so yeah, so so I don't I don't put much stock. I put way more uh, weight on the additions they made because oh, Toronto's got a much, much harder beginning right. of the season. Yeah. Like their first six weeks are against teams that I think are going to have their stuff together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again, like, the schedule makers were not kind to the East. And it's ironic that you're pointing this out that, that, that Ottawa actually has the most favorable because I think early on they're going to need it the most. Out of the they will. Teams, right? They will. I, I really do think they're going to need as much help as a schedule maker could give them. They could be three and two after the first five, you know, and especially if they take out. Lots it, of yeah, if they if they if, if they if they start out hot, if Nichols and La and La Police have about yeah. find what was working for them in Winnipeg as fast as they can, yep. they're going to be in good shape. If it takes them forever to get together, they're they're completely screwed. <sighs> Changing my Grey Cup pick in my mind as we speak. Let's let's talk about the Grey Cup pick. Okay, Joe, you said last time we met that we were going to do this. This time, I'm putting you up to it. What's your okay. What's your pick for the 2021 Grey Cup? Uh, my pick is Calgary because they're going to have, I think, the least hard time getting dealing with the situation they that everybody's dealing with. They're so used to having players come in and out 
They haven't had much change on the co- on the coaching side. They could get off to a hot start and maintain it long enough to finish first. And if they finish first, going into Calgary in November or December to go try to win a playoff game ain't the easiest thing in the world. Yes, Winnipeg did it in 2019, but how many others can say that they've done that in the last decade? So I've got Calgary there. Hamilton's the obvious choice in the East, and I'm going to stick. And I'm going to stick with that. And I've got Calgary winning in Hamilton against Hamilton because Hamilton can't have nice things. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, well that's um, awesome logic there at the end. But uh, I okay. Well, look, here's the thing. I'm pretty awesome at these CFL picks if you put them a year forward, okay? And so I was thinking about that when I was thinking about this pick, and I was thinking about how I really need to be a true CFL fan. I need to be a true CFL fan who does a podcast and who has a favorite team. So (laughs) I'm going to go on the record. Don't know if I bet money on it. I'll go on the record. I'm going to be boring. Take Calgary winning, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Alouettes sneak in. They're okay. Sneak in. They're they're gonna they're gonna upset in since Hamilton can't have nice things, right? They're gonna sneak in in the championship game hosted in Hamilton. This will be after they win that uh, crossover game by like. 50 to 48, or whatever that's going to be. It's going to be the highest scoring game in the CFL this year. You just think Adams is going to get on a ridiculous heater in November and December. I think that this guy is probably the most American-style quarterback in the CFL right now, right? He's a playmaker, right? You know, we were talking about Gunslinger before, but more than that, He's got that Kobe Bryant mentality, right? Like he wants to win or lose the game. He wants to be the guy whose whose hand it's in. And I honestly think that Kari Jones is going to be the quarterback whisperer here. I think that they're going to work something out where where it's going to be his game. You know, I think that Kari is going to build a game around him. And uh, yeah, I think by the end of the year we'll be. And you think and you think Kari's taken the two off seasons he's had and rebuilt his offense to better suit his quarterback. Well, he's had a lot of time to think about it, right? Exactly. It, him and Dave Dickinson over in uh, Calgary, right? I, I honestly think that in some ways those were the only guys who knew that they were coming back with the same staff and from the time the season was canceled to now, like there was never any question. Like they weren't going to, they weren't going to do any of this XFL stuff. You know, they weren't uh, looking for other positions. You know, no chance of going to the NFL, whatever. So that's another thing is that I think that Kari Jones, you know, and again, he's coming off of Coach of the Year. You know, he's stoked. He thinks he knows what he's doing, <laughs> and so. No, he clearly knows what he's doing. Yeah. He took what he took a he took a team that nobody could do anything with for eight years yeah. and turned them into a contender. Yeah, yeah. Well, he yeah he stopped the quarterback carousel, and he didn't know who his starting quarterback was going to be until about what week four. Yeah. yeah. So he had to be flexible. Yeah. Last last season. And now he's had two years to go, okay, this is my guy. How do I build an offense to make best use of his talents? Why not? Why not? Because for one thing, you know, the the betters always say that. Like, for example, if everybody's taking Calgary Hamilton, don't take Calgary Hamilton. Just don't. Just don't. You know, the the whole thing about wisdom of crowds requires different opinions in that crowd to come together and you get the majority opinion, right? If everybody's taking the same thing. And the thing I've been saying for the last month is that Adams is the wild card in all of that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He could be MLP. Yep. I made that pretty clear. I think he's going to be the leading uh, total yards getter in the the East. 
I think he's going to be the best quarterback in the East, just statistically, mm-hmm. at very, very least. So, and I have no reason to say to dispute you on any of this. This all makes sense in my head. Pretty much worse schedule. I don't know. Calgary and Winnipeg weren't exactly thrilled to play to play Montreal in 2019. I can tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. In any case, let's get out of here, Joe. How are you celebrating Game One? Have not decided what the big meal is going to be yet, but there's going to be a lot of food, a lot of beverages, and I'm not going to complain about who the announcer is. I'm just going to be happy. I don't care if Keith Urban's calling the game the whole time. I'm just going to be happy it's back. I'm just going to be happy. And even if it even if it turns out the way I think it's going to turn out, I'm just going to smile, be happy, and go to bed and go, okay, I'll be upset next week when they lose, but this week I'm okay. <laughs> nah, yeah, yeah, they'll lose this week, and then, you know, no problem. 13-1 and one is still in play. I'll take 10-4. and four. I'm not greedy. Yeah, home advantage through the playoffs. All right, well, next week I hope we have a guest here on the first right through, and uh, we'll be able to talk Montreal Alouettes football. We'll be able to make a prediction on my beloved Alouettes. I guess to all our listeners, good luck in CFL Pick'em. Joe, make us look good. I make no promises. <laughs> For everyone else, go Shreveport. <laughs> Talk to you next week on the Roots Right Through CFL Podcast. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter. <laughs>